February 4th, 2016. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight, we present a discussion on the fascinating military and occult career of Lieutenant Colonel Sir Francis Edward Younghusband, 1863-1942, the Conqueror of Tibet in 1904, and the author of several books on travel, adventure, and mystical philosophy. Colonel Young's husband uh, was an officer in British Special Forces in India during the Cold War between the British and the Russians for control of the Central Asian highlands north of India in the latter days of the 19th century. Their covert conflict was called the Great Game. And it was the stage for high adventure. Rudyard Kipling novelized The Great Game in Kim. And back in 1904, Lord Curzon, the Viceroy of India, sent Colonel Younghusband up into Tibet with an invading British army to flush out the Russians, whom Curzon was convinced had infiltrated that mysterious country. Well, after slaughtering the primitive Tibetan army, young husband took Lhasa, but he couldn't find a single Cossack, not even a Russian rifle. However, he did stay long enough to have a mystical experience that transformed him from a ruthless conqueror into a peaceful, mystical philosopher. He retired to England to write books about his adventures and his visions, which included Life on Other Planets, Free Love, A Spiritual Drama Society, and finally, An Expedition to Climb Mount Everest. Would you believe in the nude? And if if you want to spend an hour with the colonel, tune in and we'll hit the trail going up. Now, of course, needless to say, uh, Colonel Young Husband is one of my my personal heroes. I mean, you know, um, my gosh, this this guy did all he did all the things that that uh, I was you know thought I was going to do and uh, and uh, were preparing to do and uh, some that uh, 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 okay. Hank, if you're listening, you know this is this is uh, you you did you did, you did a lot of you did a lot of what young husband did too in in in, in somewhat the same area. Uh and uh this is one of these he young husband was one of these British India colonels who ended up being a a uh a mystic, uh like uh, Colonel Powell who uh, wrote some of the theosophical books and and uh and Colonel Alcott, you know, he, 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 apparently and then there's that then there was that other British colonel that brought back the uh the the Tibetan exercises, you know, that, that most of us do. And uh, it seems like being a being a colonel in the in the in the British Indian Army was was uh, was the uh, almost uh, almost prerequisite for uh, uh, for being uh, ending up being a mystical philosopher. That's, that's just, uh, however, uh, I think 
the, the fascinating thing about young husband from a, a spiritual and a philosophical sense is, is that from his childhood right on through uh, through Sanders, right on through his, his all of his adventures, and up to the end, the transformation from from a a, a man who uh, uh, was a was a uh, what uh, our, our liberal friends would call a rabid imperialist. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, the empire above all, and and uh, and uh, the superiority of, of, of the British, uh, of the British over the over all of the uh, the white man's burden, so to speak, and all of that. He completely bought into that. He was raised in that, and and. Uh, and he was he was also raised in in, in 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 a fundamental in a fundamental Christian environment too, and and he transcended all of these prejudices of his of his upbringing, uh, and, and 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 over his experiences, and he finally ended up in the end. He finally ended up. Uh, I will say he wasn't exactly a pacifist. No, I don't think he was ever that. But he was, but he did believe in in universal love and brotherhood. And he was trying to find a uh, like Gandhi, who, by the way, was a friend of his, Mahatma Gandhi, um, trying to find a something universal in all religions. And this is one of the things that young husband really wanted. But, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's first let's uh, let's. Talk about how he got to be the way he was, and 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 uh, and, and what he did when he was that way. <laughs> uh, he uh, he was born in India, and his his father was uh, was 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 a general, General Young Husband, and he was born in the Indian Army, and and but then very shortly after his his mother brought him to England to, to educate him in England, and. Uh, and even so, he was a British Indian. He was a British Indian, uh, which is almost a race, which is almost a special sub-race of, of, of Anglo-Saxon Brits. Brits, you know, the the British Indians, the one, the ones that were born there, uh, but they were still very, very British. You know, now, in order to understand. Uh, this whole story of young husband and young husband himself. In order to understand all of this, there's an, a, an event in 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 the history of of India, in British India, that we have to understand in order to understand young husband, his attitude, and and the attitude of his of his friend and his and his boss, uh, Lord Curzon. We have to understand. This event called the Sepoy Mutiny. The Sepoy Mutiny uh, defined uh, the British Raj. It, it defined it and the attitude of the British Raj and the way the British Raj treated the Indian people. Now, um, a little background on this. The Brits got into India. Got into India commercially they 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 moved into India back in the in the 1700s uh with a with a, a corporation called the the East India Company 
and it was it was a big it was a big corporation a trading basically a trading corporation, and uh, and it uh, it moved into India, uh, and India at that time in the 1700s it was was all split up into little uh, kingdoms and and uh, so the uh, British East India Car Company moved in and established. Uh, they established commercial headquarters, you know, commercial business headquarters in in, in, in these various uh, Indian uh, Indian kingdoms, and and uh, made deals and and uh, with uh, uh, with the various maharajas of, of these these little uh, these little kingdoms like Kashmir and uh, you know and and, and all and uh, um, established themselves. And they became so, you know, they, they they created such a presence, and they they were doing such so much business that they decided that uh, very early on that they better have their own security force, and uh, so they decided they decided to establish the East India Company decided to establish its own army, which it which it uh, did, but but in order to do this. Because this East India Company was so um, important to you know the British economy and, and, and what was becoming the British Empire, um, they they actually made a sort of a commercial deal with the British Army, and uh, and uh, they 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 created uh, well. And it's sound, this sounds kind of similar to some stuff we've been doing, uh, uh, you know, in the past few years, but uh, uh, the little private armies that we've uh, we've ended up with, like Blackwater and some of those. But what they what they uh, they did was they got the British government to let them have British serving officers on what we now call detached service. Uh, which they called seconding. They called it seconding in those days. And what they what they did was, they assigned these. Actually, they would give these these officers uh, a leave a leave of absence. They were still officers. They still had the rank. They were still in the British Army, but they were they were seconded to the East India Company. And uh, and and so literally, the East India Company. Uh, it wasn't paying for them either because the government was, was just doing this. I don't think that they were the, the, the East India Company was necessarily paying the government, but it was so important to the economy that they went ahead and, and supported um, they supported the East India Company by providing them with an army, and it and it, it and it was to all intents and purposes the British Army because these were all British serving officers, and they in turn when they got over there to India. Um, and what they did was they they got you know in with the maharajas, and they said, all right, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll hire your your uh, men of serviceable age, and we'll make soldiers out of, which they did, and uh, they called these these uh, native soldiers sepoys, and uh, they they 
the Sikhs were particularly good warriors. The Sikhs, the Sikhs had a warrior tradition anyway. So they, they had Sikh regiments and uh, regiments of Sikhs, and they had regiments of up there in, in, in northern India, up, up in, around Nepal. They had regiments of, uh, of Gurkhas. That they, that, that, the Gurkhas were really in the, in, almost in the category of, of mercenaries because they, they would... Uh, they would come in their own units. They were almost like Russian Cossacks. They would, they would uh, have their own units, their own, and and uh, not so much their own office commissioned officers. That that was pretty much that that remained British. You had to be a commissioned officer. But the Kirkers had their own enlisted, uh, their own sergeants, and their and all. And uh, so they they created uh, their East India Company all over India. Created this. This uh, their own army, and but they used native Indians um, and from the different uh, ethnic groups, uh, Hindus and Muslims and Sikhs and and uh, and all, uh, as these troops. Well, now that was all well and good, and they were doing a land office business, and they had manufacturing going there, and they and they had and they were shipping out goods, and they were bringing in British. Uh, goods and selling it to the to, to the Indians and they got, and 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 they controlled all of India economically and with their sepoys with their their troops they they controlled it uh, militarily they 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 in, in in effect the East India Company was the was the government of India now an important thing here that. Uh, that we need to understand, and especially about because this this will uh, play on on how how Francis Young husband develops. Uh, the the British officers uh, that were serving in India with the company, but we were still you know still they were still in the British Army, but I mean they were serving in India and and. and uh, they actually were getting along fine with the before the before the mutiny happened. They were getting along fine with the Indians, and there wasn't there wasn't this racial uh, bigotry. There wasn't this uh, looking down on the Indians because they were darker skinned or anything like that. They really respected the 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 Indians because they realized that you know this really was a very high civilization and and in in many ways you know it was, it was kind of related to, to to ours there were a lot of similarities in mythology and and uh, and philosophy and what and the the British especially these those colonels <laughs> the British the British uh, um, uh, officers and officials they really actually uh, they weren't exactly going native but but if the mutiny hadn't have occurred, there would have been a synthesis. There was a, there was a synthesis. Uh, there would have been a special a special British Indian culture was was beginning to develop, and there was a lot. And and uh, but the mutiny the mutiny destroyed all that. And on the way the mutiny happened, and this may have been the mutiny may have been the first. Round of the first shot in the great game. It could have been because there was a lot of suspicion, a lot of suspicion that Russian agents may have been behind behind the, the mutiny. Let me explain how that um, that uh, came about. The Russians were very jealous of the British controlling India. 
They were very jealous of it. The French were too, by the way. Uh, and very, very jealous of, of the British economic control and, of course, this de facto military control of India. They were uh, very jealous because India was very, very wealthy. I mean, India, you know, it was the, it was the, the jewel of the, the, the British Empire. It was, it was, uh, it was a prize, and and the British, the Brits had slipped on in there and managed to take to literally take the whole country, uh, and and the Russians, uh, the Russians had, and I, there they wanted to get in 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 into India, and. They, had, they, they, they thought they could displace the British. And uh, so they may have had something to do with this. Uh, what happened was, in those days, the, um, uh, the standard rifle, that uh, infantry rifle that, uh, that the deployed um, um, troops, the Indian troops, uh, serving under the British officers, the standard rifle they had, was loaded with a cartridge that had that had the powder. The powder was in a paper and uh, a paper wrapper, which was waxed. And it was heavily waxed, and the powder was inside that. And then the bullet was uh, was was uh, also in the wrap, but in, in but below the powder. So uh, what you did, and it was a smooth bore, kind of a musket sort of a thing, and. What you what the the soldier did was he he bit the top of the wax paper off with his teeth, spit it out, poured the powder down the barrel, and then the bullet, and then to put his rod rod in there and then tamped the whole thing down, and then of course you know primed it. Uh, I, I don't recall whether they had whether they had percussion. They didn't have percussion. They had per- well, they may have had percussion caps, but anyway, you had to do this. You had to rip this. Um, um, you had to rip the the, the 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 wax paper open with your teeth and pour the. Um, now, some dastardly, dastardly secret agent, uh, you know, circulated the rumor <laughs> to all the sepoys. Do you know that those cartridges that the British are giving you are sealed in pig fat? Oh my God! And of course, that's that's sacrilege for the Muslims, sacrilege for the Hindus, and and probably sacrilege for the Sikhs too. And and uh, and so they circulated this rumor. And of course, but this wasn't true. It wasn't true. They were. It was actually. It, it was wax. And and uh, there was no truth to it, but but it was but it was a very uh, a very effective rumor, and uh, the British kept denying it, and and the sepoys would refuse to bite the cartridges, and then the British would, would you know would discipline them to the point of flogging them and everything else. You know, you will bite these cartridges, and and of course this, so this this precipitated a. What you know? What what we we call a night of the long knives, and all of a sudden, you know, all over India, you know, it was pretty well coordinated. That's that's another thing that makes makes us kind of suspicious that it might have been might have been Russian agents, but uh, it was very very well coordinated. They all rose up and and won uh, all over India in one one day, 
and and virtually wiped out uh, you know over half of their British officers in the, in, in one day and and uh, laid siege to some of the the few loyal uh, 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 groups of British troops and and uh, and that is that uh, well. It was horrible, and 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 of course the British the British uh, uh, officers and and officials and the and the and the uh, East India Company people there they had their families, their families were there. So that we we had the women and children were murdered, and and it was it was a really uh, it was a hideous thing. A lot of um, you know kind of like the like the Mau Mau in Africa back in the fifties. It was really really bad. And, uh, however, it was the, it did provide an excuse for Britain, for Great Britain to give up this, 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 um, you know, this, uh, this fantasy about about this being a company, about this being the be, being the East India Company army, all of a sudden it became you know in one night it became the British Army, and and uh, and the British Army very quickly uh, arrived in 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 hundreds and thousands of people, uh, and uh, and the Sepoy Mutiny was put down. And the sepoys themselves were rather ruthlessly dealt with, the ones that had mutinied. Uh, now, the reason why this is important uh, to, to, the, to the story of Francis Young Husband and, and the rest of the great game is the British Raj, which is what the government was called after that, the British Raj, in other words, the British rule of India, which was backed up by the British Army. Uh, was after that not only ruthless, but it was also um, very, very bigoted and and very um, um, uh, intolerant. And there wasn't any more fraternizing with uh, with the Indians. Uh, and in fact, you couldn't even be friendly friendly but not familiar. You couldn't even you, you were you were supposed to act. You were supposed to act toward the Indians as if you were innately superior, and they had to know it. You were you were a sa you were a sahib, you know, and your and your and your woman was a memsahib. You you were the you were the the, the leaders, and and uh, and, um, and the other thing that happened, and this paved the way not only for uh, this. For uh, this paved the way for Blavatsky and Theosophy was that along with the avenging British Army landing in India, they also landed a whole slew of very, very fanatical British uh, Christian missionaries. And they were determined, not only were they determined to to rule the India by force, they were going to Christianize it by force. And the way they did that was that if you were a you were a, a Hindu or a Muslim in uh, in India, and you wanted a decent job with the government, you wanted a job as a babu, as a clerk, or you know, and and if you wanted to if you wanted to uh, um, any kind of a job with the government, 
any kind of just, uh, uh, social services or government service, you had better be a Christian. And that's the way they did it. And, of course, naturally that that infuriated uh, the Indians and uh, cr- created tremendous resentment. And, uh, and in fact, uh, um the Maharaja of Kashmir, uh, um, um, Ranbar Singh, uh, it sounded like he's a Sikh, but he wasn't. He was a Reformed Hindu. His brother-in-law was a Sikh. That, that's that's for those for those of you for you the for, for you Theosophy buffs. That's uh, uh, that's the Master Lord here. And he was that was Ranbar Singh, the Maharaja of, of Kashmir. He had sided with the British in the mutiny. And so he, he he retained his Maharaja ship in Kashmir. Kashmir, by the way, was mostly Muslim, but uh, but the Brits, uh, in their you know kind of their the way they, the way they like to gerrymander their their king uh, their 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 king making situation, they like to gerrymander it, and they, they create things like this. A country that's mostly Muslim and will and will put a Hindu uh, Maharaja in there. And and uh, and that way, you know, they did the same thing in Iran, and we ended up inheriting that business with the Shah of Iran, you know, and and he being a uh, he being a, uh, a Sunni, and 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 the rest of the the, the Iranians being Shia, and it automatically creates a nasty situation. But they, the, the British like to do stuff like that. Anyway, uh, this is why. Uh, um, Blavatsky uh, got 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 the Theosophical movement going. It's because Ranbar Singh, who was, uh, as I say, the, the master Maurya, uh, he bankrolled Theosophy uh, to, to millions of dollars that he spent that he gave Blavatsky and uh, Curzon, that uh, young husband's boss, the viceroy, who was an ardent imperialist. He thought <laughs> he thought Blavatsky was a Russian agent, and uh, or you know Theosophy was anti-Christian, and that's one of the reasons why Ron Singh bankrolled it, and and also of course he gave him a chance to uh, to circulate his teachings because he was a guru in his own right, and uh, and you know the uh, the letters were all written by him, and. Uh, and he um, and he teleported them through the ceiling, dropped them through the ceiling, and and uh, to uh, to uh, Helena, and and uh, uh, so. They, 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 but but uh, Lord Curzon, the the viceroy, he he was convinced that uh, that Blavatsky was a Russian agent, and he thought that Blavatsky was being run by. She didn't, he didn't think she was being run by Ron Bar Singh. Uh, he, he thought she was being run by Agvan Dorjeev, the uh, the Buryat Mongol Russian secret agent who who figures in in, in the Tibetan invasion uh, indirectly. We'll get into that in a little bit. But anyway, um, so we have a situation that that uh when young husband grows up in 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 England and naturally it's gets through Clifton College and and goes to Sandhurst because you know he's his his father's a general and his uncle's a general and all and everything and goes to Sandhurst and 
And uh, he goes, uh, see, he entered the Royal Military College, Sandhurst, and was commissioned as a subaltern lieutenant in the 1st King's Dragoons Guards in 1882. Back to, back to, uh, back to India, where he was born, and, uh, and uh, into the, now, uh, British, what we what we today call special forces, and uh, uh, the, 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 the guys that ran the great game, uh, they all had they had a headquarters up in Kashmir, way up in the hills in Kashmir, a headquarters called Simla, and it was the it was the uh, the, the summer palace of Lord Curzon and the and the uh, the British Raj. They all, you know, they otherwise they they ran India from Calcutta. <laughs> Horrible, but, but anyway. Uh, so as soon as the weather started to get hot in the in in the spring, uh, they would all trek from. Uh, they make a great big caravan from Calcutta all the way up into Kashmir, almost up to the up, up to the mountains in Kashmir to Simla. And but Simla was was also was. As I say, the headquarters for for uh, uh, for British intelligence for the whole Northwest frontier in that area. Now, um, young husband got started on his great gaming. Sort of his his initial adventures were actually up in Manchuria and Mongolia. They sent him uh, well. Uh, in this case, nobody sent him. He he actually he actually uh, volunteered to go up there. He was interested in in that area, and the Russians, of course, were were interested in 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 Manchuria and Mongolia, and so he went up uh, and started off his adventures by by walking across Manchuria and and. Uh, and making contacts and and you know and basically making contacts and and, and taking notes and and and, and um, keeping his eyes open and whatever and trying to find out what's going on and all the way across the Gobi Desert walks he he well he used he used a camel for a while you know across the Gobi Desert and then down and then all the way down he he walks and and rides. All the way down uh, into uh, into the Palmiers, into this 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 area, the Hindu Kush, the Palmiers, and the Himalayas all sort of come together right up there north of Kashmir, and you get uh, you get Turkestan and, and Afghanistan and uh, and Tibet, and they all kind of they all kind of come together in a sort of a four corners. You know how these and occasionally there are various places in the world. I know there's one down there in Colombia and, and and Peru that they call the Republic of the Dam because because the whole area it, it's three different countries, three different countries, and and they're all in this one valley, and and the, the dividing lines 
you know, the borderlines just, just all come together in this one valley. So uh, there's a little criminal community supposedly down there called the Republic of the Damned. Well, this was kind of the way this was during the Palm Years. There was a there was a little area where Afghanistan and and uh, and 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 Tibet and um, and Turkestan all came together, and uh, and in there there was a there was this bandit <laughs> this bandit had a castle he had a, had this big fortress and, and and he raided he was a bandit and he and, and he his men rode out like the you know the forty like Alibaba's forty thieves and they rode out. Uh, in the India and back in the, and, and 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 the other way and 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 in, over into Tibet and and just robbed everything they could, and uh, and that was bad enough. But but <laughs> uh, then they when they when when the British found out they were playing with the Russians when they were they, that these that these bandits this bandit king and his and his bandits were 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 uh, dealing with the Russians. That's when they got when Curzon got got really concerned and 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 uh, by this time young husband had gotten back from his trek and he and he reported that the Russians were in that area and so they sent him back up there to play the great game. Now the way the great game was played was these British officers take off and and sometimes you know if they were good at it. Especially if they were good at languages, they disguised themselves as as um, uh, you know Afghans or uh, or uh, Kafirs or whatever. They they would disguise themselves, and um, they had to stain their skin and and uh, and uh, uh, adopt uh, you know native clothes and gear and all of that, and then they go up there. And they they would try they would be basically with their with their binoculars and their uh, you know and their um, their surveying instruments and they were mapping on the one hand they were mapping and on the other hand they were looking they were looking for Cossacks you know? and uh, and um, they they got so this got to be such a uh, a situation the Russians were really were really really getting serious about it, and in fact, um, I think that I should perhaps um, digress for just a minute here and talk about the great the great Russian the great Russian Mongol boogeyman that that Curzon had nightmares about, and uh, and uh, it's kind of a Fu Manchu kind of character, uh, and that uh, I don't think that. Young husband never ran into him directly, but he sure knew about it. And, uh, and that is a, a Buryat Mongol by the name of Agvan Dorjif. Agvan Dorjif. Not to be confused with Gurdjieff, which some people have. Some people confused him with, with George Gurdjieff, but he wasn't. He wasn't George Gurdjieff. George Gurdjieff was a, was a Caucasian. He, uh, this uh, Agvan Dorjif was a, was a Buryat Mongol from, uh, from Siberia. And uh, but Armand Orjif had walked 
this guy was incredible. He he was in his own way. Armand Orgif was just, was was uh, uh, just as incredible as Young Husband or or uh, Richard Burton. He he was he was the the he was the Mongo he was the Mongo great game player and, and adventurer. He when he was just a kid, in eighteen years old. And he was, he's a Mongo and and and, uh, and a Buddhist and a, and a you know a kind of a junior grade Mongolian Lama up there in in near right right along you know side Lake Bacall, and he decides that he's going to go down to, to down to Lhasa, which is the you know the center of of tantric Buddhism. That's where that's that's where you that's where you get an education. That's where you really become some somebody in the in the Mongol war, in the in in the in the uh, in the Theloministic, uh Buddhist world. So uh, he walked all the way from Lake Bacall all the way down to Lhasa, Tibet, and they wouldn't, you know, uh, the Tibetans. Looked at him and they said, "Oh, you know, he's a buryat. We, yeah, we, we, not, we don't want him." And they made him, they made him sit on the steps of the potala. They wouldn't let him in, and and he sat there and sat there and begged and and all and and swept the steps for him and and whatever. And they finally let him in, in the seminary, and he did so well. I was a genius. He did so well that. By the time he was 19 years old, Arvand Arjeev was the tutor of the Dalai Lama. He was the tutor, and he was he and he became, of course, a very close confidant and advisor of the Dalai Lama. And and what he ended up doing, he he ended up convincing the Dalai Lama, the 13th Dalai Lama, that that, uh, that Tsar Nicholas was the king of Shambhala. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so uh, he became uh, he became the Dalai Lama's uh, ambassador not just to Russia but to France and England and 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 uh, and and several other countries in Europe. He and Dorjeev spoke. He was he was remarkable. One of these remarkable people who could who who spoke uh, and read uh, just about every European language. He was incredible. He was a genius. By the way, so was uh, Blavatsky's Ranbar Singh too. Uh, the master Moria. He was also one of these uh, one of these super geniuses. And uh, Anyway, so Dorjeev, Dorjeev got got the Tsar Nicholas to, to to thinking that man, maybe he was maybe he was the uh, uh, the king of Shambhala or whatever, and and and, uh, and he got he got the Tsar talked into letting him build a Kalachakra temple in Saint Petersburg. And so this started this, what, what the result of this was that Georgiev became a big player and, and uh, the, the, sort of, the sort of individual that, that uh, 
gets mentioned in dispatches, you know, and kind of like you know we knew we knew before Osama bin Laden did what he did, you know, in nine eleven. We we knew we knew we knew how dangerous he was, and we knew we knew how what he was into, and we knew what was going on. But nobody wanted to listen to the you know to the intelligence community. And, but the same thing with Agbon Dorji. By the time he does this, gets just this, uh, um, uh, you know, starts being the ambassador of the Dalai Lama, and starts getting this this business of uh, the Tsar being the king of Shambhala, and all of this going. Uh, by this time, he's getting to be known as a player in in this in this in what what we call a great game. Now, uh, um, what he did at the drove. Curzon crazy. This 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 drove drove Curzon crazy. Curzon was incredibly paranoid. Anyway, Darjeet walked all the way through India, all the way all the way to uh, um, uh, all the way to this to to the coast, all the way down from the Himalayas. Walked. And and, uh, and and he walked all the way through, got on a ship, and went to Europe, and and visited uh, the, the French and was entertained by the French government. Went over to England and 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 uh, and, and got presented there and and uh, as as the ambassador of the Dalai Lama and whatever. And Curzon, uh, they. They never, never. They, they do. They knew he was coming, but they couldn't catch him. He walked all the way through India, all the way down from the Himalayas, all the way down to the sea coast. Got on a ship, and off he went. And 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 MI five couldn't find him. They couldn't catch him. They, they. <laughs> and Curzon was pulling his. Well, Curzon didn't have any. He was bald anyway. He didn't have any hair, so he didn't pull his hair off. But he was, but he was going crazy. Get that man, and they couldn't find him. And uh, and of course he thought he thought also that that Agman Dorjeev was was running Blavatsky. You know he that that was his. He, uh, he suspected that. And uh, by the way, it was Curzon's paranoia um, that made Ranbar Singh um, tell Blavatsky that she had to move him. She couldn't say that he was in Kashmir. He had to be in Tibet. And this caused all kinds of Problems for for theosophy, which it still hasn't gotten out from under, and that was that that um, that all this material that 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 Ranbir Singh that that uh, that the Master Muria was writing, all this Mahatma letters. Uh, who I got on the line, Mike? Uh, I'm on the line. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Frater Solomon, right? Yes, it is. Oh, good. Well, uh, uh, let me go ahead and and uh, and, uh, and and talk a little bit more about uh, about the theosophical thing, and then we then 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 we can we can uh, chat about that. Uh, uh, so um, I was going to say, Ranbar Singh uh, uh, insisted that Blavatsky's say he was in Tibet, but his writings in the Mahatma letters, his philosophy and all of this, and and what she was coming up with was not 
Theravada Buddhism at all, or any kind of Buddhism. It was Reform Hindu. It, it was it, it, that's that's what what Ram Singh Murray really was was Reform Hindu, and that's what the the, the, the the Theosophical doctrine was. But but because he insisted that they that she put him in Tibet, basically to to protect him. Uh, from from Li Five. I mean, you know, from the, he he knew he knew that that uh, that um, uh, Curzon was 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 after him, and so he 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 could not possibly admit to being uh, in, in anywhere in India. And uh, as I say, that's caused Theosophy down. Oh God, it caused so much trouble down through the. Down through the years, we had Alice Bailey and 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 Amy Besant, and all these all these theosophists talking about the Tibetans. Oh yes, and we got Tibetans, and we even have uh, we even ended up with uh, with Tibetans up on Mount Shasta, you know, and everything else, just because of this, because uh, um, uh, of this, uh, and and you know when I when I really finally got got my Tibetan training, I, uh, that confirmed me completely that that this this that a lot, so much of this theosophical stuff was just not Tibetan, and and but they still hadn't gotten out from under it. It was only just a few years ago that we that we found out that uh, that um, uh, that the Master Murya really really was a Reformed Hindu, not not a not a Tibetan. Okay, uh, Mike, you want to give give us some thoughts on that? Well, yeah, there, there's just a, a lot of fun stuff that um, Youngblood uh, gave back to the spiritual community. Uh, for one, he founded the, the World Congress of Faith. It was uh, his counterpart to the uh, World Parliament of uh, Religions. And also, um, he had a really neat fascination with the star Altair that he called Stellaire and um, and the translucent uh blue beings that dwelt there and, and he was kind of trying to promote a, a new age and um, a, a yeah, coming no, so female matriarch yeah, figure. Let me, let, me, let me say that we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we got, Oops. we, we got to, we got to, we got to do, we got to get him, we got to get him into the battle of the, 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 the meeting the Russians trying to come through the, the uh, Iskandar Pass and and uh, and uh, d- 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 driving off the Russians and the Cossacks and and the Huns of bandits and all of that and then then we got to take him to Tibet and before we get into uh, uh, the uh, the Altair the Altair people but the Altair people were very very much like very much like the uh, the in the Avatar you remember, you remember the movie Avatar yes. Yeah, Altair, good analogy. Altair, Altair, the way the way the young husband describes the Altair and the Altarians, it sounds like welcome to Pandora. <laughs> it uh, it That's really true. does. Yeah, and uh, and of course that may be where Cameron got 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 his ideas for his for his Pandorians, uh, you know. Uh, but anyway, to get back, we got we got to get see so so Curzon. Uh, here's you know, hey, well, whatever. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. <laughs> and, so, and and mainly, Curzon gets really, really upset about about this castle, this bandit castle, up at Hunza. Uh, this bandit castle is squatting right smack in the middle of the secret pass, 
and this is the secret pass from, from Russia, from you know, from Central Asia into India, that that uh, they're all afraid the Russians are going to use to invade India, and uh, and they want that they want for number one they want to find the pass, and the only and Hunza and and the 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 Bandit Castle uh, Hunza. You know, had uh, they they were squatting right in the secret pass, and uh, and and, uh, uh, and they were supposed to be, you know, the the bandit king of Unza was was being footsie with the with playing footsie with the Cossacks, and so uh, uh, up goes young husband uh, with his Gurkhas, and and uh, and and. And uh, and you know they get together with the Russians, of course, and they you know they have a and they 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 camp and then they invite each other to their camps and they're drinking vodka and the Russians are doing Erasmus dances and 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 uh, young husband is is drilling his Gurkhas and and they're they're all they're having a, they're all socializing with each other, but then then uh, you know uh, however. Uh, the Russians decide that they're going to turn around and, and, and go home. And one of, the, one of the main reasons why they did was they were having a famine in Russia at the, Russia at the time, and they really couldn't. They they really just you know they pulled the plug on the on on the invasion. They almost they were they almost if they hadn't been in such bad economic trouble at home, they probably would have attempted to go ahead and take that whole area. And uh, so young husband gets credit. You know, for for driving them off. Although really, they, they you know, it was they it was their economic situation. They they couldn't sustain it. And uh, back he goes. And then uh, after that, uh, Dorjeev has somehow or other. I don't know whether Dorjeev uh, uh, what he did to, to get. Curzon. Uh, oh, yeah, I know what he did. He 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 was he was back in Lhasa uh, uh, with his with his uh, student, his friend, the, the Dalai Lama, the thirteenth Dalai Lama, and Curzon uh, uh, was hearing rumors of of him being you know with back in Lhasa, and somehow or other, Curzon got convinced that uh, that Berzif was bringing. Bringing guns uh, and, and munitions down into into Tibet, and that they were they were that the the Russians were going to annex Tibet. Now Tibet at the time at that time was under China. It really was, even though the Chinese uh, had no presence there. The Tibetans wouldn't hated them; they wouldn't let them in. But they but but, but Tibet was technically part of China as as it, it returned to be to these days, you know. But but it was then. However, uh, so uh, Curzon decided, well, we can't have a hostile state uh, on our borders, and obviously, if the Chinese aren't going to aren't going to control them, and then and we know the Russians are in there. At least he thought he knew that the Russians were in there. That then we're going to have to we we we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to go up there and and find out what they are up to, or at least we're going to have to have some communication with. We can't have, according to Curzon's, we cannot have a hostile hostile state like that on our border. And uh, so he wrote a couple of letters to the Dalai Lama, and the Dalai Lama refused to answer. And that made him even madder. 
you know, how <laughs> dare this, how dare this slant-eyed little, little pompous little whatever, how, I, how dare he ignore me? I am the Viceroy of India, British India, you know, I cannot be ignored. And, and, uh, that convinced him all the more that uh, that Dorjeef was uh, was uh, had, was bringing the Cossacks into in into into Lhasa. So he so Curzon got a young husband, gave him gave him a, an army regiment of Gurkhas and and, uh, and and another. I think he had a regiment of Sikhs, a regiment of Gurkhas, and he had and he had one. Uh, and he had uh, about 400 British troops too, and and uh, and of course he gave him he gave him uh, <coughs> battery and artillery <coughs> and a section of section of Maxim guns. That was that was enough right there. And he said, "Go up there, you know, there and 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 and." And open that country up. I'm making you commissioner of Tibet. And young husband, you know, took his took his paper, making him commissioner of Tibet. And up he goes, and up up the trail, same trail that he that that, that uh, Mallory walked uh, walked nude up 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 to Mount Everest, you know, later about uh, twenty years later. But anyway, up the up he went, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he got up to a little town called called Guru. If you're interested, Guru. And there he met the Tibetan army. Well, the Tibetan army was, uh, 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 it was, hey, it looked like something out of out of the Mikado, you know, out of, <laughs> out of out of Gilbert and Sullivan's Mikado. And they were all out there in their padded silk robes and. And, and their their old medieval armor, and they had and they had uh, muskets, family heirloom muskets. That these people were armed with, all decorated, you know, and carved and decorated, and 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 all they all all of their musket, their all the weapons were family heirlooms, and uh, and uh, so they had a little skirmish, and the Tibetans didn't do very well, obviously, and so. Uh, they agreed to surrender, and uh, there was about there was about a thousand of them, and they agreed to surrender. And that, and of course that that was fine that they were going to surrender, but uh, the problem was that they would not lay they would not give up their arms. Now these you know. Uh, like I say, these these muskets that they had, they were they were ornamental. They were they were literally they yeah they'd fire, but they were they were uh, just decorative, uh, uh, and they were they were literally family heirlooms. And they wouldn't give up their arms. And the and the sepoys tried to take their take their guns away from them, and they refused. And they'd already surrendered, but they wouldn't give up their 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 guns and. and um, the sepoys tried to take their take their uh, their arms away from them, and one of the Tibetan officers got got mad, and you know, and 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 the and the interpreter tried to explain to now the young husband was not directly responsible for this. This was one of his officers uh, that was that, that, that was directly responsible, but young husband was ultimately responsible because he was the commander, and uh, these. Uh, well, <laughs> This 
so the Tibetan officer uh, uh, got mad at the sepoy, and 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 the sepoy would not cease and desist. He kept trying to trying to take this this uh, expensive heirloom musket from one of the one of the Tibetan soldiers, and the uh, and the officer, the Tibetan officer, drew his revolver and shot this sepoy in the face, and and uh, and that, of course, when that happened, then. All hell broke loose, and uh, casually, I, I think that I think that, that the 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 reasonable estimate was about seven hundred Tibetan uh, Tibetan uh, warrior llamas were killed, machine gunned, and and uh, this was this was horrible. But as I say, a young husband had to had to accept the responsibility because it was it happened on it happened on his watch. But but uh, he didn't directly order it. In fact, uh, uh, he felt it, it, it was it was probably one of the one of the worst one of the things that happened in his life that that, that traumatized him the most and 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 turned him transformed him in eventually into a into a uh, an advocate for not only for Tibetan independence, but for you know, for for the independence of India. I mean, eventually. But uh, after this, and after this, he, young husband, negotiated, or actually kind of forced a treaty on the on the uh, Tibetans, which, quite frankly, that treaty was very you know very very favorable to the British, and he was he, the young husband, literally. Literally dictated to them that they would the terms that they would become a British protectorate. What the God they had, we they might still they might still not be Chinese, but unfortunately, the Home Office in England would not back it up. Curzon thought it was fine, you know, he loved it, but but the Home Office wouldn't because the Home Office over in England, they wanted to, they were trying to to make some coastal deals with the Chinese. And, of course, the idea of taking Tibet away from China at that point didn't sit very well with the Chinese. So the Home Office uh, just just negated uh, young husbands. They wouldn't recognize young husbands' treaty. So, as I said, the Tibetans themselves, they said, oh, if, if only, if only, if only we'd stayed, stayed. If we could have stayed with the British and not, not, uh, you know. But unfortunately, that was. But then, young husband did. In the course of all these negotiations, he did make friends with one Lama, not Dorjeev. That would have been fine if Dorjeev had stayed there. And but Dorjeev and the Dalai Lama took off. They 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 headed for Mongolia. But. Um, uh, um, um, young husband made made friends with one lama, and that lama gave him a bronze Buddha, and 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 which young husband treasured for the rest of his life. In fact, they, when he when he was buried, they, they they had this little bronze Buddha on his coffin. Uh, but young husband took that bronze Buddha and walked up to the top of one of the mountains uh, next to Lhasa. And had himself a whopper of a vision, and this vision that he had was that all men are divine. It was a hermetic, literally, it was a hermetic vision. He, all men are divine, 
and 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 uh, and and love, and and all men and all all human beings are bound together in the universe of love, and uh, and it was it was what uh, what mystics would call that 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 vision of undifferentiated unity, and uh, some some writers seem to think that this was also and, and and this was also his altar vision of his extraterrestrials i'm not sure that's the case i I've, I've been trying to i've been going over uh, um um french's biography and all and i can't find uh a, a an account of that vision mentioning the extraterrestrials at all that comes later but uh, or maybe it does. I don't know if some uh, uh, when he first contacted the extraterrestrials. At, at first, I had thought that it was in Tibet, but I can't. I can't substantiate that. I think that he had a he had a typical mystical, uh, undifferentiated unity and and uh, God is love uh, vision, and that God that vision was the reason, uh, Mike. That vision was the reason why. Uh, he wanted. To, he founded the the Congress of, of, of all religions to try to find, along with his friend Mahatma Gandhi, to try to find something common in all of the religions that 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 would that would help us bring peace uh, to the earth, to be in peace to the world. So that was the vision. So after he had his vision. Uh, and his treaty got rejected, and, and all that. He marched. Uh, he marched his his expedition back down in, into uh, into India, and soon thereafter he retired and went back to England. And uh, and that's when he when he began to write his you know write write his books. Yeah. Uh, now that's that's when we get into um, when he starts to have his. Uh, have his uh, uh, philosophical uh, uh, writings and, and this. And he write first. He writes his, his books about his adventures, and then then from that he begins to to to, to write his his books on mysticism, and uh, and um, the um, we should also mention that in the nineteen about nineteen twenty nineteen I think nineteen twenty five. He was in Belgium, and he got hit. He was he was uh, walking across the street. He's a pedestrian, and he got hit by a by a car, 1925, and hit and and and, and thrown, you know, thrown about 20 feet by this car that slammed into him, and broke his his leg in about five places, and and. Uh, Compound fracture, and it was really, really a horrible thing. And and, uh, and they had his his uh, immediate emergency surgery and everything all done in Belgium, and they botched it. They did a terrible job. He had to go back to England. They had had the leg rebroken, reset, and all that. And and for a while there, they thought they were going to have to amputate his leg. Um, and sound uh, really okay? Uh, but when he was recovering, finally they got they got the surgery right and they got his leg patched patched up. When he was recovering, this is when he really started having his visions. 
and really started have, it was, was when he was lying there with his with his his leg in a cast for you know for, for quite you know, for months and uh, uh, this is when he really started having his visions and when he and uh, and when he began to uh, to uh, get his ideas about uh, philosophy and all and after that after that he um, he sought out philosophers and Bergson and he became uh, very friendly with Bertrand Russell and uh, and H.G. Uh, Wells, and he was and he was writing books very similar to H.G. Wells, you know H.G. Wells' uh, utopian novels, and uh, and uh, uh, and so he started uh, in developing his free love philosophy and and uh, and his outer his outer book. That's the uh, life in the stars. By the way, that's the, that's the title of the book, and uh, and uh, about Altair and the and the translucent Altarians. Uh, uh, you want to you you want to take over, uh, the, uh, Mike, and, and 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 talk about this a little bit? Well, I I don't think I know a whole lot more than you, but um, you make a really, really good point that a lot of people who don't get involved in mysticism or meditation get. We all have our, um, you know, our personal favorite alien tribe uh, that we feel like we're in communion with. But it's not as, it's not the same thing as this mystical experience we have in the third degree where we, we just feel one with everything if if we've done it right. And um, Altair was, was really... Uh, young husband spin. It, it was his. It was kind of a, a unique thing to him uh, that us mystics have. I've got my Canopians. Um, you've got um, your uh, your your Dagon species, and um, it, so so it, that's an important distinction. Is um, yeah, he wanted to see all the faiths unite, but he still wanted to have his own individual stream, and that that's just something a lot of us mystics have. I don't. I think that his uh, his prediction of the female matria was more related to not his huge mystical experience, but more of his um, his specific musings or you know his specific entertainments, uh, like he was having with the planet out there, or or I'm sorry, the star system out there. Yeah, but you know, with with young husband, young husband uh, uh, b- believed. Uh, he he, he uh, bought into this Maitreya thing that the Buddhist Maitreya, the, the, the savior, and he thought it was going to be a woman, and he may have actually uh, tried to create a uh, a moon child because he yeah had a, yeah that's a, right yeah, so, His, yeah he, he point, tried oh, to create that's he, a really that's a really good point um you know one thing that fascinates me is the whole sociology of religion um. And, and um, he started coming up with this idea, and it's a trap a lot of mystics fall into when they get too much power. Joseph Smith fell into the same trap. Like, we don't need a, a material marriage because we have a spiritual one. And that's – I don't remember if the woman he was uh, – he had a child by was married. But the weird thing about the child is we don't know who it is. But we do know that he – That's right. We don't. Family. We don't know. We don't even know whether he asked whether whether she actually had it. Uh, yeah, could have we, been we just have a pretty common. good idea that yeah, one of his lovers, one of his lovers. Now, by the way, he was he, he was he was married. Uh, his wife, whether or not 
she just put up with this or not, I don't know. But I know he had a number of women that claimed to be his lovers, and and uh, and of course he did. He was advocating free love, and uh, and and uh, this one one gal, Lise, she uh, she's kind of indicated that that she had his child, and and he said. At one point, that uh, that the child might be uh, might be uh, might be a woman. The way he described her, by the way, uh, this this uh, this heavenly uh, saviorist was very very much like that painting that of Fred Adams that we used in Beyond Lemuria, where we we talked about the soulmate. Remember when we showed uh-huh. Emily Emily in her white robe, and then we and then we showed this painting by Fred Adams with a kind of translucent skin. And and uh, and sort of um, uh, the, the gold flowing through the veins, and it was a beautiful, beautiful painting. Painting, and it's in 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 Beyond Lemuria. And uh, by the way, there's a lot in Beyond Lemuria that that that, that really smacks of of young husband, uh, especially the the vision up on the mountain, because young husband had the same thing I had and the same thing we replicated with Merrick up there was the idea that you get up 10,000 feet, you you get up there 10,000 feet and start doing a little bit of yoga, a little bit of meditation in that, in that high altitude. And, and, uh, and especially if the sun's shining down, yeah, you're going to have that kind of a vision. You can almost, you can almost, if you do it right, you, you can almost guarantee you're going to have something like that. And uh, I know, I know, I did. And and, uh, and those of us who went up there and and and, and you know and and literally, and especially especially when the sun the sun's shining down from you know down from the mountain peak. And and uh, and so um, also, oh, I, we got we, we There's a couple more things we got to do before we're, we're running over time. If we got a couple more things we got to do that really are fascinating. Uh, the same thing that we were talking about with Shasta. Um, Francis' young husband thought about Everest. And he became, uh, after he started the Congress of Earth, of, of all religions and, and all that, he, he became uh, the president, they elected him president of the Royal Geographical Society. You know, that's the Explorers Club. And, uh, uh, and he, his project, was a spiritual ascent of Mount Everest. He believed, and he, he believed that Mount Everest was the was the holy pinnacle of the world. And and he had a whole cult uh, of people, some of them mountain climbers and some of them not, but they called themselves the Everesters. And they were going to, in 1920. They were going to they were going to do a spiritual climb of Mount Everest because he believed. Uh, Literally, a uh, young husband was trying to force a vision on the slopes of Mount Everest. And he had people going up there on, following Mallory, uh, George Mallory, who was a professional climber. And, and uh, they were going to, the idea was, was, was to have this universal vision because Everest was, according to, uh, to young husband, was the holy mountain, was the world's holy mountain. And, uh, and of course, Mallory, <laughs> Mallory started to climb stark naked with his fedora and his rucksack. <laughs> <laughs> they start, 
course, naturally, by the time they when they got they got pretty far up the mountain, Mallory had his clothes on. Unfortunately, George got got snowed over. Uh, a couple of things had to happen. He lost some Sherpas, and it was his fault. Uh, but he uh, uh, he uh, but then he when he when he finally got up the top, he got fogged in, and George disappeared. And we know, we'll never know whether Mallory got to the top of Everest in 1921 or not. We'll never know. Uh, Hillary made it in in 1953 uh, on the same the same uh, time that Queen Elizabeth got got uh, got uh, uh, got crowned. But but uh, uh, so uh, so the British climber finally made it. But 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 Mallory may have made it. He, he, he but but he. But he perished in the in the effort. However, uh, and then the other thing too, that uh, uh, young husband and Mahatma Gandhi had very very similar beliefs, and and young husband was an ardent believer in 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 independence. He really supported Mahatma Gandhi, and and in fact he. He uh, he was Mahatma Gandhi's tour guide all around London when the the last when Mahatma Gandhi uh, came to uh, you know to uh, to England right after World War II, um, and uh, then uh, young husband right before he died he he went back to India was invited to a world conference religious conference in India, and and got his friend Charles Lindbergh. To fly him all around India, Lindbergh came. Lindbergh was one of his, one of uh, um, young husband's. Uh, well, actually, he was one of young husband's. Uh, uh, I won't. I don't want to say followers, but in a sense, he was because what what Charles Lindbergh wanted a young husband to do was get him a guru. He said, "I'm going to come to India, and you find a guru for me." And uh, and so, uh, uh, young husband introduced Lindbergh to every guru he, he knew in India, and uh, whether Lindbergh ever found one he liked, I don't know. But but anyway, but uh, here's a young husband, very very close to Mahatma Gandhi, Charles Lindbergh, H. Uh, uh, G. Wells, Bertrand Russell, and uh, he had he had a. Uh, he he was a very influential, very very influential person, and uh, influential in politics, philosophy, <laughs> mysticism, and tried to be influential in in religion. Although, quite frankly, the, all of the religions, uh, none of them really wanted to find a common ground. He kept trying, bless his heart, he kept trying to find something common they could all agree with, but he never did succeed. Okay, you want to you want to uh, uh, kind of sum up here because we're going to have to have to get off pretty quick. Okay, Mike, amazing show. <laughs> it went over, but it needed to. This was a show that could have gone on for two hours, and I think your listeners would would have been totally fascinated because this guy's he has a really rich life and he made a lot of changes. And you, you know, he he also captures. Um, it's pretty interesting to see all these uh, military uh, officers, um, such as yourself. You, you've got Ed Fitch, uh, Thomas—I mean, Michael Aquino—and and, um, 
uh, all, all these guys, uh, they're, they're really into the military, and then all of a sudden they take a spiritual path. And that's something that Evan pointed out to me I thought was pretty interesting. And uh, I think I, I kind of think this guy might be your past life, Poke. No, it can't be, unfortunately, because uh, I was born in 1935, and he died in 1942. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I know. I, uh, uh, I've had other Maybe people say that. Maybe his friend climbed the mountain and disappeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or whatever. But, uh, no, anyway, you know, Francis Young Husband is really fascinating, and... Uh, and I've, uh, uh, in case people want to want to go, uh, you know, uh, research him on your own, the uh, the biography, uh, the biography on him is "Young Husband: The Last Great Imperial Adventurer" by Patrick French. Patrick French, F R E N C H, and uh, and and his uh, and and his. I got the last copy of Amazon, but they'll they'll probably get some more in. Uh, the one the one on Al Terror is uh, is uh, uh, Life in the Stars, and I have that the last copy that Amazon had on the way. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, this is about uh, I think we've had a we've had a good uh, a little over an hour with with the Colonel, and. Uh, yeah, and you're right, Mike. This is this this guy really is. He 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 is, uh, especially for us, uh, you know, uh, especially for us in 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 the OTA and and also uh, all of us all all of us all of us from Smoke Bomb Hill, you know, and that includes you, Hank, and and you know, and the rest of us. And because uh, this guy's he he was really one of our, one of us, and we were one of him. Okay. Anyway. Uh, take care of you well, and next week, uh, I don't know what we're going to do to top this one, but next week we'll be back with another, uh, uh, well, you know, maybe, maybe more game, more great game. We've, I, I guess we've done Baron Sternberg before, but we'll, we'll, we'll come, we'll come up with some more, with something just as, hopefully just as exciting. So until then, good magic.